of Reasonable Faith, Lesson 6, Faith and Repentance, presented by Pastor James McIntyre. We're happy to be able to welcome you to this sixth and final lesson of our Bible study, Reasonable Faith. We have spent our time over the last five lessons, and again today, seeking to reason with you out of the Scripture related to some very important and fundamental truths as it relates to biblical Christianity. Our desire and our hope is that to this point, the truths that we've shared and the Scripture that we've shared, that they have resonated with your own heart and conscience, and that they have certainly uh, been things that uh, have come across as being reasonable and things that are readily acceptable. We certainly spent some time talking about sin. It's an important issue. And uh, we spent some time talking about the fact that all men have sinned. And this is a premise that generally most people can accept relatively easy. Uh, we all know that we haven't been everything we ought to have been. And uh, certainly when we judge ourselves by the Ten Commandments, we can certainly recognize the fact that there have been uh, many occasions where we have broken one or more of the Ten Commandments. And as a result, that makes us transgressors of God's law. That causes us to come short of the glory of God. And of course, God being holy and absolutely without sin, He is a God in whom is light and there is no darkness at all. He's of purer eyes than to behold evil. And consequently, we came to recognize and we uh, reasoned with you about the fact that if we're sinners and God is holy and separate from sin, then we've got a big problem. There's a, there's a major barrier between us and God, and ultimately that sin has to be um, has to be paid for. It has to be uh, consequences attached to it. And in fact, the Bible tells us the wages of sin and de is death. And um, the reality is, is that unless we come to a place in our life where we recognize humbly that we're a sinner before God and in need of salvation, and that we repent of our sins and put our faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that when we leave this world, the Bible says it's appointed unto a man once to die, and after this the judgment, that we'll stand before God, give account of our own sin, and God will pass judgment on us, because while he is a loving God, there's no question about that. He's also a just God. And if we have not accepted the payment that he made on our behalf through his son for our sin, then we for all of eternity will be held responsible and accountable for that sin and will be sentenced for all of eternity in the lake of fire, the place where the Bible says the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. It's a place where the rich man there in Luke 16 talked about how he was tormented in this flame. And so uh, sin leaves us in a very bad place, and it, and it has created a very uh, strong breach of fellowship between us and a holy God. And then to compound the problem, we considered after that the fact that uh, there's not any good work that we can do that will alter that. Uh, the reality is, is that if we could go from this day forward and never commit another sin, that it would not change the fact that we have already been transgressors and that we have violated God's law on many accounts and in many ways and on many days. And uh, so whatever, whatever we may be able to do from this point forward, even if we could live a sinless life, which I think we would all recognize is probably not likely at all, but even if we could, it would not deal with the sins that have already been committed. 
And um, the Bible is abundantly clear about the fact that we're not saved by any good work, any religious act that we do, whether it's baptism, going to church, praying, reading our Bible, being good people, whatever the case may be. In fact, the Bible tells us there's none good, no, not one. And the Bible tells us that salvation is by grace through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. So our salvation can never be gained based upon uh, our own behavior and the way that we decide we're going to live. So that left us at the end of lesson four in a very, very uh, ominous place. We were sinners before God. We um, were transgressors of his law, and yet there wasn't one thing that we could do about it. We then, in the previous lesson, considered the fact that although there's not anything we can do about it, the reality is is that God did something for us. God intervened on our behalf. And in a word, what that thing is that he did is the gospel. And the gospel, as we looked at at length in the previous lesson, um, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, thus substantiating his death and his resurrection and then he was indeed raised from the dead three days and three nights later. And so it's in that act of God through his son, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus dying for our sins, being buried and being raised again the third day, that is what God did in order to provide a means for us to be reconciled to him. And so the question becomes, and what we want to address in this lesson is, how do I take that gift that God offered? me and his son and the death, burial, and resurrection of his son and make that personally applicable to my own life. And there are basically two words that come to bear in that respect, and that is repentance and faith. Those are the two things that we need to take a look at this this day. Um, I would just uh, point out at the outset that uh, in uh, the New Testament, the Bible is abundantly clear that both of these two things, which are really just two sides of the same coin, it's not like a person can truly Uh, repent in the Bible sense without having faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the Bible sense, a person can't believe in Christ without repenting. These two things go together and uh, they're twin sisters, if you will. There's not really possible from a biblical perspective to do one without the other. (laughs) And in fact, Jesus himself came preaching and teaching faith and repentance. It's in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, at the very outset of Jesus's ministry, where we find the Bible recording, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And so Jesus came preaching the message of, a twofold message of, repent ye and believe the gospel. And you can go throughout the rest of the gospels and even into the book of Acts and the epistles, and it becomes quite evident that the apostles themselves and the early church likewise took up that message and preached to their generation repentance and faith. In fact, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, Paul talking to the Ephesian elders, he makes reference to the fact that he had spoken both to the Jews and to the Greeks and that he had preached to both of these groups of people repentance toward God 
God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So these are the two things that we need to consider. These are the two attitudes that a person needs to have in order to make the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ applicable to their sin and their particular situation. So let us think for just a couple of minutes here about repentance. And think about exactly what that is. Again, there's just so many places we could go, but for for the sake of, of time and not getting too long in this video, we're just going to go to one passage. But I want to take you back to the book of uh, Ezekiel in the Old Testament, chapter 18, verses 30 through 32. And it's there where the Bible says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. There's several important things in this short passage that are worthy of note. Uh, You may have observed at the very outset in verse 30 that uh, the Lord is pleading with Israel, and he does so with the, with uh, these words, therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel. And it simply reminds us that there is a day of judgment coming. And again, I think this is reasonable to nearly every person. We we understand that there are consequences. We understand that, that there must be, if the universe is to be just and right, that there must be a day of reckoning whereby and in which men will will be judged. And in fact, the Lord told uh, the nation of Israel here <laughs> that he would judge them every one according to his own ways. And and as we've spoken of in previous lessons, this is really the last thing that we want because we're all transgressors of God's law. And so the Lord's exhortation to Israel in light of that coming judgment is the word repent. And then right on the hills of that, we basically have uh, the definition of what it means to repent. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions. So repentance is basically a turning from sin. The reality is, is that a person can't turn to God without turning to sin. You can't do one without the other. If we truly turn to God, in faith and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, we by nature of that biblical faith will be turning from sin. We will be repenting. And the Bible demands it. The Bible calls us to repentance. The Bible exhorts us to repentance. The Bible calls us to turn from sin. And in fact, the Lord says here that they were to do that, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. And clearly that's the case. We've even spoken of in the previous lessons how that um, sin is a present condemnation and that the way of a transgressor is hard and that every sin has the seeds of its own consequences built in and that when we sin, we uh, reap those consequences. The scripture tells us to be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so we understand that. And then even in a greater sense, uh, it will be our ruin in eternal judgment and damnation in the lake of fire. And so it is in our interest to take take soberly and think soberly about what the scripture says here and the warning of God to the house of Israel and by uh, extension to every one of us today. In fact, he goes on in this very passage and says, cast away from you all your transgressions whereby ye have transgressed. So the Lord is exhorting 
<laughs> exhorting the house of Israel, and again, by extension, us, that we are to cast away our transgressions, those violations of God's law. We're to put away those things from us and have a have a new heart and a new spirit. And the Lord makes it very clear. He has no pleasure in the death of him that dieth. He, God, God, while he is just and he will unflinchingly judge sin in the day of judgment, God doesn't want to judge men for their sin. That's the whole purpose of the gospel. That's the whole reason Jesus came and died on a cross and bore our sins there, was buried and rose again the third day. So the Lord exhorts the house of Israel that they would turn themselves and live. So if we want to live, if we want to have eternal life, if we want to go and live with God forever, then we have to turn. We have to turn from our sin. We have to turn from God, and we have to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's important that we recognize this. Lots of people uh, think they have believed in Jesus, but they've never really believed in the Bible sense because they've never turned from their sin. And then we need to spend a few minutes here considering faith. And again, there's just so many places that we could go, uh, even in the Old Testament and certainly in the New Testament, that talks about faith and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. I primarily want to draw your attention to one again. Uh, for the sake of time, in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, the Bible says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus. Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So here we're talking about the righteousness of God. And you may remember in a previous lesson in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, we talked about that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then in verse 17, it says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. So God's righteousness is revealed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That righteousness of God without the law, we learn here in Romans chapter 3, is made known. So there is a way, God has made a way, whereby we can have his righteousness without the law, because we can't keep the law. We're violators of the law. We have already transgressed his law. So if there's going to be any hope for us, there's got to be a a, a a process in place, a plan in place whereby we can have the righteousness of God without the law. And there is, and that process has been manifested. In fact, the scripture says here that it's witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the Old Testament bears witness to this idea of having the righteousness of God without the law. Uh, one of the most notable places is when the scripture tells us in the Old Testament that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So Abraham was made righteous by his faith in God and not by any good work that he did. And the Bible goes on and tells us here in Romans 3, it says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. So we are able to uh, have the righteousness of God to derive the benefit of God's own righteousness simply by putting faith in Jesus Christ and the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, simply by putting faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
we become the recipients of God's righteousness. And in fact, the scripture tells us here that the offer of this righteousness through the gospel of Christ is unto all. This is available to everyone. So if you're listening uh, to this lesson today and, and you're sitting there before your computer or before your smartphone and you're listening and watching this video, <laughs> I can unequivocally state that this righteousness that God has through the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection is available to you. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how big of a violator you've been of God's law. He's offering his righteousness to you through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's unto all, and it's upon all them that believe. So while it's offered to everyone, it doesn't mean that everyone is going to receive the benefit of it, because only those who believe receive the benefit. So there we have repentance and faith. We come to a place where we recognize that we are transgressors of God's law, that we've sinned against God, that things are not right between us and God. We recognize there's not anything I can personally do to alter that. I can never be good enough. There's no religious deed that I can do. And upon recognizing my hopeless and helpless condition, I turn from my sin and I put all of my confidence and trust. I rest in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on my behalf. And when I believe that, I inherit the righteousness of God and there is restoration between me and God. That's why Jesus could say in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Peter in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, speaking of Christ, he said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Jesus and the gospel of Christ is the means by which we are reconciled to God. We repent of our sins and put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a this is just a wonderful thing. I would also point out because I, I really can't afford to <laughs> to leave this lesson without making note of this because there is so much confusion in the present generation where people have uh, basically agreed with a few facts that a preacher or someone has uh, shown them out of the Bible and they've said some kind of prayer, but yet they, they've gone on and their life didn't change. They don't really love the Bible. They don't love prayer. They don't love God's people. They don't go to church. They still drink and curse and carouse and really live just like the world lives, and there's got to be a reason for that. Why is that? And I think James chapter 2 helps us answer that. In verses 14 through 20, the Bible says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So there is the possibility of believing in Jesus and yet not really being saved. And that's true because... 
You can believe in Jesus just like a person believes in Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or any other historical figure. And when we're talking about biblical faith, we're talking about more than that. And remember, a, a large component of that is because biblical faith is always joined with repentance and turning from sin. So you can't have biblical faith without your life being changed by it. God doesn't come to live in your heart. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to live in your heart and leave you the way you were. That's why he says there at the end of that passage, O vain man, you need to know, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. So there is such a thing as a living faith and a dead faith, and a dead faith does not save men from sin and hell. It has to be a living faith, and a living faith is a faith that produces works. So to make sure we're not confused on this issue, because I certainly don't want to leave you confused, this idea and the, the issue related to works and salvation, we don't do any good thing to get saved. But when we repent of our sins and put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will change the way we live and it will produce good works. That's why the Bible can say in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, that is, if a man is saved, if a man has come to a place where he recognized he's a sinner and he's hopeless and he's helpless and he's repented and put his faith in the gospel. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when a man gets saved, his life is different. He's changed. You don't get saved and stay the same. You don't get saved and go on willfully and without conviction and without sorrow and misery, living in sin, our lives are changed, and we're made more and more as time goes along <laughs> into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this salvation is available to all who will humble themselves. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's just a matter of coming to a place where you recognize that you are lost and without hope and that you've violated God's commands, and that you're going to go to hell when you die, and you deserve to go to hell, but you don't want to go to hell. So you call out to God, you repent of your sin, you turn from your sin, and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you're saved. The Bible promises you that, that if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, whosoever will do that, shall be saved. So God wants to save you today. If you're not saved, God wants to save you. You need to, you need to take some time, some sober time here at the end of this lesson and this series of studies and think back over your life from the time that you were born and the time of your earliest memory to this day. And can you look back and identify a day in your life when things changed? A day in your life where you came to realize that you were a sinner that you were separated from God, that things weren't right between you and God, and that you were a violator of his law, and you realized that there wasn't anything that you could do to help yourself. Your baptism wasn't going to help you. Your good works weren't going to help you. And you were just miserably lost and apart from God. And upon recognizing that, can you think back and remember a day where you turned from your sin and you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? And think back to that day and realize that since that day, your life has been different. 
<clears throat> now you you have a hatred for sin and you abhor the things that God abhors. And while while you may still sin, and no doubt we do, but you despise your own sin and you want victory over your own sin. And you, you look back to that day and realize that since that day, you've loved the word of God and you love the church of God and you want to be in church and you want to be with God's people and you want to live right. And you want to please God. There has to have been that change in your life. You have to look back and be able to identify a time when that happened. And if you can't, today is the day when you can make that a reality, when you can trust the Lord, when you can turn from your sin, that which will ultimately be your ruin, and trust the gospel of Christ for salvation. It's important that you do so. It's Proverbs 27.1, I would remind you, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. You have no guarantee that the sun is going to set today and you still be walking the earth. You certainly have no guarantee of tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. Today is the day to get things right with God. This is not something that you can afford to put off. Remember, the Bible warns us in Hebrews 9.27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. The judgment is coming on. The judgment is hastening. We're all approaching the judgment bar of God. We've got to be ready to meet God. We're going to stand before God. And do we want to stand before him in our sin, or do we want to stand before him in his own righteousness that's been given to us because we've repented of our sin and put our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Listen, if you've never repented of your sin and believed the gospel, you can do that right now, wherever you're at. You can do that right now by just in your heart acknowledging that you're a sinner and, and crying out to the Lord in your heart turning from your sin and asking him to save you and give you victory over your sin and to change your heart. And he'll do that and he'll save you. This is the promise we have from God. And God always keeps his promises. The Bible says he's a God that cannot lie and he wants to save you today. Remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He wants that. If it's not true of you, he wants that to be true of you today. And we here at Faith Baptist Church want that to be true of you today. I, as the pastor of Faith Baptist Church, want that to be true of you today. So please soberly consider these things. Don't go beyond these six video lessons and not uh, and fail to consider soberly what we've presented here and, and ask yourself if these things don't resonate and have the ring of truth to them. And allow God to work in your heart and humble yourself before Him. If there's any way we can be a, a blessing to you, if there's any questions you have, We'd love to be able to help you if there's anything that you don't understand. There's contact information here on the website. You can just utilize that to get a hold of us, and somebody will be in touch with you and will be happy to communicate with you and just try to help you understand. It's important to us that you do you have access to the rest of this website where you can uh, review these lessons, and, and uh, there's even more verses there and, and some simple questions to answer to help uh, help you understand these things even better. 
better. It is our true and, and sincere desire that God would grant you understanding of these things and that you'd come to know the peace of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and him and in him alone and may God bless this to your heart and to your soul and we and we want this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we want it for his glory so may you soberly consider these things and let God have his way thank you this is pastor McIntyre this podcast was presented by pastor James McIntyre edited by Caleb McIntyre, and formatted for podcast by Jonathan McIntyre. A Reasonable Faith is an independent production of Faith Baptist Church in Freeport, Texas. For more information, visit www.areasonablefaith.org.